0: Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Dedicated to the evolution of you, because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be. Helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. The next four episodes are excerpted from my Embodied Values and Virtues course, which was live the first quarter of 2022. We spent an hour or so on each of the eight virtues of Clear and Open, which I base off of the list created by the samurai many years ago. The virtue you'll hear about in this series is courage, and in this episode specifically what it means in peer relationships where you don't have control. I'll talk about the self-image that people helpers tend to build in order to never have to be vulnerable, and also the pitfalls of using the written word for accountability. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. As I mentioned, this series is from the course entitled Embodied Values and Virtues, which you can find at courses.clearandopen.com. Thanks for listening. Let's start the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of it I'm I'm good with, and I, I think I do reasonably well at, although there's always room for improvement. Um... Some of the ones like what we're going to talk about today, courage, uh, I, I realize that for it's not hard to do in business relationships for me. I can be there and tell the client what's going on and address anything that's up. Uh, and i'm I'm on the on the um, extending side of that. I'm not waiting for them to come to be. Mm-hmm. But I notice on the courage side, with uh, intimate relationships, whether it's dear friend, partner, whatever. Um, that's where it always comes up, the rub of uh, you know the, the level of honesty, the level of directness, uh, and the reaction that I'm going to
0: get from that. Mm-hmm. That's a great uh, observation. Do you have a sense of why there's a difference between those two domains? Uh, yeah, I think the
1: intimate relationships are... Um, uh, much more risky. There's much more of a loss potential there than a client. If a client doesn't like what I say or goes away, okay, another client's going to come. I'm not worried about that. And what I'm saying is um, typically always has their best interest in mind. I'm yeah. always looking at extending and really acknowledging that. And my assessments are grounded in where we're trying to go. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, with intimate relationships, there's much more at risk.
0: That yes, that's that's some of it for sure. And I'm going to assert uh, a little bit more about it, not just for you, but for everyone, including myself. Um, first of all, good for you looking by domain because that's exactly the way to look at virtues and the code. Not to fool ourselves into like, well, in this place over here, I'm a ten out of ten. Like. Pfft. Good For you, I'm sure for everyone, that's the case. Uh, that's not how we get better, it's by looking at where and how we're not doing it. And, um, related to that, why, uh, you know, as, a, as you're a consultant in the client domain, you're an authority, right? So, when you're the authority, uh, that's you general, when one is an authority, it's far easier to be lots of different things, but especially courageous, because in one way you're actually in control. Like you just said, like you're the consultant, you're the authority, they've hired you. If they don't like what you say or how you said it, yeah, that might be something to deal with, but you're in an authority position while you're dealing with that, which is not without difficulty, but it's way easier than in an intimate relationship where you are peers and you have no control with a peer. You, you can try. You can try to tell them how they should behave and what you think is going on in them and how well does that work, right? Not so, Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and that's a, a really tricky thing, especially for um, uh, those of you, almost everyone in here is in one authority position or another, even if it's with your kids. Um, it's, it's very difficult to be an authority in one domain where the rules and principles are, x and then be in uh, a peer relationship in in another domain where they don't apply especially people who have a lot of experience being in an authority position when i train coaches um, which is occasionally and i used to do a lot of it for coaches consultants therapists anyone who is in a um you know where their job is to be an authority a manager is it's, it's less of an issue um but you know the higher up that person on the org chart the more difficult it is but when it's your job to actually get into the head of the person you're talking to and help them sort out their confusion it's very seductive to want to do that in peer relationships uh and there's a kind of um i'd say a rite of passage for anyone with a lot of training in that because what happens especially again for coaches consultants and therapists is the the um, the shadow in that person builds an image around that set of skills, and then you start to try to relate to your peer relationships as an authority, uh, unconsciously and innocently. But it's very seductive when you learn how to navigate people's defenses and. Uh, you know, go around defenses and ask penetrating questions to try to get to the truth. All these things you're supposed to do in roles like mine and in roles like Brett's uh, and Chris and Catherine, all of lots of you have these kinds of roles. When you bring that to a peer relationship, it's invasive, inappropriate and manipulative. And that's so difficult. It took me several years. Yeah, go ahead, ahead, Chris. One sec. It took me several years to get over that hump. You have to take all of what you see and all of what you know and set that completely aside and kind of pretend you don't know it and stay in your experience and advocate for your needs and feelings without going onto the other side and telling them how they should be, even though you can and do that a lot of the time.
1: Chris? Well, I was just going to add that in today's world, the venue in which you communicate to do that sometimes really amplifies it, like text messaging to your friends when you don't catch yourself because you can't add any inflection or emotion or yeah. drama behind it. It's like the feedback loop comes back like, whoa, that is nowhere near what I intended. You know what I mean? It's like, slow down. No, it's people read yeah. and hear in some other voice that you don't want. And even if you're trying to be careful with your language, it's, yeah. wow, hard.
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, because that's that's a, a sort of subset of um, some code stuff. You know, if you go another level down into micro code stuff, um, never do any kind of accountability via the written word. Uh, I still make that mistake, but I've made it so many times. It's one of my general rules. If there's any chance they could misinterpret or have a reaction to what you're saying, you got to be talking to them, and if you can do it via face-to-face, ideal video, second best phone call, third best written word, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, and it's so seductive and convenient. Oh, I'll just write this. It'll just take a second, and then you know you end up in six back-and-forth emails when one 10-minute phone call could have avoided the whole thing. And this is particularly common among younger generations who grew up with texting. I mean most of the people in the room, we still remember when you had to hit a key five times to get the letter you wanted. I, don't, I, I never could do that. I don't know how people had the patience to do that. I did not text with those systems, but, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have a cell phone until I was 23 or something. And, um, so the, for younger generations, it's just part of the culture of like, Oh, I can just, just tap this out and, um, yeah, and it creates an explosion. So, that's one of the, before you send an email, before you send a text, one of the filters that you ought to have is like, is this appropriate for text? Is there any way they could misinterpret this? And just don't do it. Just say no. It doesn't, it's not worth it. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.